You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. This week, Father Paul continues his discussion of Genesis chapter 28. I am happy to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. Anyway, let's go on the aside of Esau and go more quickly. Okay, I mean, we can say a lot more, but that's my main point. Please do not marry anyone from the Canaanite, but our reaction, yeah, you see, we didn't. And then my first cousin, you know, on the side of my mother, Ezekiel, that's how I refer to him in Arabic, Ibn Khalti. He tells you, brother, your mother is a Hittite from the land of Canaan. We'll have to wait. We'll have to wait. See, God in Scripture is unlike Father Paul. That's why Scripture is belittling to me. Every time I think that I'm like God, suddenly it doesn't work. Because I'm not as patient as he is. I give out the clue of my teaching at the end of each class. But God is not like that. He tells you, we have books, books, books to read together. Don't worry about that. When Esau saw that the Canaanite women, Esau went to Ishmael and took to wife, besides the wives he had, Mahalad, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebaioth. Without going again, I can tell you a lot about the names, but notice the interesting thing that the Canaanites are presented as being living in that place and related to Ishmael, who specifically is presented as Abraham's son. I mean, if this is not a combination of knuckle and curve balls, I mean, what is? But who preaches about that? I bet you most of us gloss over that because we say we have to follow the story of Jacob, how he arrived into Padan Aram. We all do that because we're not interested in Esau the way God is interested. And if you are patient enough, but you read this in my books, that the goodness of God toward Jacob will be revealed via Esau, his brother, upon his return, as either you all know or you all should know. Esau will become the channel, the medium of God's gracefulness towards Jacob, but we'll have to wait. So Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. Again, Beersheba is very important because this is the city of peace and agreement between the Philistines. And the, and then he's going to go to Haran, which is going to prove itself to be 
the area, the land of servitude for him. Notice, Beresheba is the city of peace between his father, which means, and also Abraham is a grandfather, let's say between Israel, and the Philistines, which in a few books will show that they are the deadliest enemies and they were behind asking Samuel to ordain to them a king. So it's a big deal. But again, we need to wait. We need to wait to understand the fullness of the message. You can't say, well, I finished Genesis and I got it. You didn't get anything. But the point I want to make here is that he left the area of peace between two supposedly dead enemies, but then they made a pact of peace and then went to Haran, which is the land of his forefathers, which means his home. And it is there in that home where the same person showed goodness towards his father Isaac is going to pull a fast one on him. I mean, but again, this Presbyterian minister in Leland Mosfora will say, you see, again, it's a dysfunction family. Why? Because most of his parishioners obviously are dysfunctional. This is what he's trying to tell them. But don't worry, you know, God loves also the dysfunctional. I don't know about that. You'll have to show it to me in a text. But it works with us. God is good unto everyone through our goodness. I'll never forget two of my colleagues at the seminary way back came to me and said, you know, Father Paul, you have to take it easy on the students. You know, if we don't show them by example what niceness and goodness and mercy is, how are they going to treat their parishioners with understanding and mercy? I said, I don't think that our business is to teach them to deal with the others with their own mercy, but with the mercy of God. Okay? It's classic. Read for the first time the parable of the prodigal son, and when you arrive at the place where the prodigal son says, you know, I missed you and I decided to come and so on, where you would say, and the father should have accepted my dear friend, he did not accept the terms of the stand of his son because it was a trick that he wanted to go back and on his term so that he would remind himself that he was the bad guy. But the father said to him, I decide in this house who is the bad guy and who is the good guy. You are just a guy. Let's jump to Matthew, where we hear that God sends his son and his showers of rain unto the good and the evil. And the text is tricky because 
you have a turnaround. Actually, let me read it to you because it's very interesting. Here, let's go to the original. So that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven in 545. For he makes his son rise on the evil, the evil one, and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. You say how the first time he begins with the evil and then the good, and then he says just and the unjust. This is that famous inversion. It's like a punch in your face. But we usually do not write like this and do not preach like that. We always follow the same rule of putting the words so that they would correspond. But this inversion is very powerful and it is used a lot in the Bible, more specifically for us in the New Testament, and it is purposeful. So the equality between the two from the perspective of God, is imposed upon you through the text. Okay, so here we go, and he came to a place. Let's go about this nice story until he gets to 13 and 14. I'm the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. That's very important, that you are never the first in line. That's very powerful. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Again, as what? As the land of your sojourning. And your descendants shall be like the dust of the earth. Very interesting. I made my comments way back when I spoke about the word afar, which is in scripture. I mean, not in Hebrew as in, in Hebrew of today, no, in the scriptural Hebrew, where you have a play on the fact that the sand of the sea, which has also a special name, but often it is referred to as Dust. Like in Arabic, we have two words. We have raml for the sand on the sea. And then we have the translation of hafar as turab, meaning that the earth not as adama. Adama means that it's a solid ground you can stand on. The hafar, if you like, are the particles. The way you would say the atoms of your body. And it, it's worth reminding my hearer that there was a dig against the human being in Genesis 2, where whilst the animals later was formed, as you do it from clay, out of the Adama, the man who was made before was formed out of clay from the dust of the earth. I mean, it's stunning. And it's hard to follow because uh, he did the same thing. As, no, no, no. Meaning he was setting up the story where the man and not the animal 
would be hit with God's statement, with the Lord God's statement, when he cursed not Ha'adam, but he cursed the Adama because of Ha'adam and the punishment of Adam that he will return to dust from the dust he was made. You are dust from dust. It is powerful to talk like this to the animal. It has no aim or interest because the animal doesn't understand these words. But the human being does. Now, if you keep this in mind, and you hear it, in this case, RSV translated nicely, the original as Afar. And your descendants shall be like the dust of the earth. That's very tricky. Hear it in English to someone who knows the Bible. And the seed is planted. And here it's a pun, because descendants means your seed. That you can be scattered like the dust. You could be many like the dust, but then you can also be scattered like the dust. And that's why the famous chasm between blessing and curse that is usually channeled through our ungodly theology does not exist in the Bible. In both cases, you are on thin ice. And you will hear this in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. The curse and the blessing come out of the same lips, which is from God. According to the way you choose whether it is God's way or your way or your interpretation of God's way. Because Isaiah is going to remind us that my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. But, you know, theology, which is a basic presupposition on our part, take a shortcut. Well, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and you shall all the... I mean... Fine, I'm hearing this. But then the text in the original is phrased the way it is phrased. Okay? And that is very important. Ka'afar ha'aret u farasa, faras, to be broken into. In other words, you have to be spread and thus separated. You go north, south, and you're not going to be together the way we imagine ourselves on Sunday morning. It's more your community during the six days of the week. But it has another aim also that ultimately it is only after God will have scattered his community as a punishment he sends them to the land of the nations the goyim so that when he brings them back together 
as we hear in Isaiah and Ezekiel, he will bring also the nations. And the connection between the two is there because the phraseology of Isaiah in chapter 66 is parallel to the phraseology of Genesis 10, where we have the names of the nations altogether, including the Japhetites. So all this, dear friends, is there in the text. I'm not making it up. But obviously, most of you are exaggerating, Father Paul. I mean, we know the story. and uh, No, you don't know the story. You're making up your own story. How many times we go through this? You have a friend of yours who get excited to go and watch the movie. And sometimes we get so excited and we ask the friend to tell us about the content of the movie. And that is the beginning of the disaster. And then you watch the movie and you realize that it's a far cry from what your friend told you about the movie. If he is the reference, he should have produced the movie. Okay? And this is where I come from when I tell the people, stop explaining to the people scripture. Just give them a copy of scripture. And if you could, a copy of this booklet that David Barrett made where he has divided the Bible into 365 pieces so that every year, and this year he finished 21 years of doing that. And any one of my readers who needs a copy, David told me to say he's willing to send you a copy. And what is most impressive, some of you have heard this story from me before, so I beg your pardon. For me, the most impressive thing, and I went to it immediately, I wanted to test him. Namely, whether he would include February 29, which doesn't exist every year. And guess what? He fooled me. He has February 29. And on that day, the reading is exactly the same reading as on February 28. Which means there is no day during which he does not read scripture. But, having been my student, you cannot add. Here perhaps we can throw a small passage from Maximus the Confessor or from the last book of Richard Benton, a commentary on Hosea. Unless you quote Hosea. And that, my friends, is very important. And what is going to happen, just to prove to you that this is all the families of the earth shall bless themselves. Technically, it's Nibroku shall be blessed, which is the repetition of 12.3 and thus the introduction of the Lord as being the God of Abraham is very important. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network. 